also want to thank you. As Greg said, I'm Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at the Oklahoma City campus. I want to welcome everybody this weekend. I want to welcome all of our network churches and uh, church online. Glad you're with us. We're in week number three of Elijah, okay? And uh, we're going to be talking about prayer this weekend. I want you guys just to pretend with me for a moment that you're on a hit reality television show, okay? And the name of this show is Prairie and Idol, all right? Work with me on this, all right? And so here's what's going to happen is Simon and Randy and Paula and the other girl, I don't remember her name, uh, they're going to judge you, okay? And they're going to judge you based upon the intimacy and effectiveness of your prayer life, okay? And they're going to give you a score and determine if you move on to the next round based upon that. So this is a point in which ask a question and you are gut level honest, do not lie. You know what happens, you go straight to hell if you lie in church, right? Okay, so if you're going to be judged for the effectiveness and intimacy of your prayer life, how many of you guys would score maybe between a 9 and a 10? Raise your hand. Anybody bold enough and honest enough? Say, yeah, that's me. I'm in a good spot right now. Anybody at all? All right, there you go. Thank you. Okay, how many of you guys would say, you know what, Chris, I'm hovering around the 5 to 6 range right now. Anybody? 5 or 6? Okay. That's good. This next one's my favorite question. <laughs> How many of you guys are honest enough to say, you know what, Chris? Man, I'm in the subterraneans right now. I'm like negative one, zero, one, maybe a two. Anybody raise your hand? Honest, authentic. Man, there's a bunch of you. All right, so here's the deal. I've got a son by the name of Cole. He's 10 years old, and I've told you this before, but, man, he is like, deathly afraid of tornadoes, like freakishly weird afraid of tornadoes. I don't even know how to parent this deal, okay? And so when a tornado comes, what I'm doing is, is I'm using that as a chance to kind of walk him through this prayer thing. Hey, bud, let's pray together. Let's uh, take these thoughts captives. God is not a God of fear, but of power and a sound mind. And, and so I think he's starting to get it. And then a tornado comes, and one night he runs in my room in the middle of the night, and he's got crocodile tears as big as his cheeks. And he's like, Dad, it just doesn't work. He said, I've tried this prayer thing and asked God to take it away. And he's just getting madder and madder as he's talking. Ask God to take it away and he, he doesn't take it away. And I don't even know if he cares. Is he really there? Can he really hear me? Is he listening? Dad, I just don't think it really works. The reality is, so we have people this weekend, and your heart is in that exact same place. Truth be known, you're asking yourself, man, does it really work? And if you're not there now, maybe you've been there before because you've been praying for your marriage, right? It feels like God's not moving. You've been praying for a spouse. God, just send me that spouse. God, take away this addiction. I can't keep 
wrestling with the same addiction month after month and year after year after year. You've asked God to take away your anger. You've asked him to set you free. You've asked him to heal a relationship. And many of you guys are standing there. Where, where is God? And why isn't he listening to me? Let me tell you, we're going to dive into the life of Elijah today. And this guy understood prayer. He understood it. He came before God with boldness and with confidence. And I have learned so much from just studying this. We're going to look at one of his prayers that Craig talked about just recently. And the verse starts out, it says, Elijah was a man just like us, which is comforting. He didn't have like his cool superhero Bible cape man type deal on. He's just a regular guy, just like you and just like me. And it says he prayed earnestly. I want you guys to repeat that with me. He prayed earnestly. Man, that was lame. I'm just going to tell you. Let's try it again, all right? He prayed earnestly. There you go. He's showing me some love now. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Man, that is power. I just can't remember the last time I prayed that it wouldn't rain and it would stop in the middle of it. But here's, here's the thing. This is what I'm looking at as I look at Elijah's prayer life. Is I think that a lot of us, when we pray, we pray with a, a little P and a little R and a little A and a little Y. We just kind of pray. Kind of like, God, will you help me? Would you be with me? Could you bring some healing? Could you give me? We just pray. And then you look at Elijah here. And Elijah prays with a capital P and a capital R and a capital A and a capital Y. He prays. He prays with confidence. He prays with boldness that God is going to move and that God is going to work. And you guys remember the story Craig's been talking about the past couple weeks. King Ahab is evil, man. The guy's just rotten, and he's got this wife named Jezebel, and they're taking the nation south. You know, they're, they're not living for God. They're literally destroying it. And so God says, Elijah, I need you to go in to King Ahab and Jezebel, and I need you to tell them they need to turn this thing around. They need to fall before me. They need to get their lives right with me. And so he goes to them, they didn't, and Elijah says, okay, here's the deal. Man, you don't do it. God's going to take away the rain. Then Elijah goes and runs and prays, God, take away the rain, just what we just read. And God did. Three and a half years, no rain. It was gone. Elijah wakes up one day and says, okay, God, man, I'm sensing it's time. It's time for the rain to start again. So here's his prayer. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Kings 18. It says, Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, which is a mountain there. And it says, he bent down to the ground and he put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And so his servant, he went up and he looked and he came back. He said, hey, Elijah, nothing's there. And he said it seven times, Elijah said. He said, go back. And the seventh time the servant replied, a cloud as small as as a man's hand is rising from the sea. And so we're going to come back to that little part because it's pretty exciting. 
Man, here's what I want you to know. The reality is so many of us struggle with our prayer lives. Consistency is tough. Authenticity can be hard at times. We do feel like God doesn't answer at times. But if you guys will engage, if you'll listen today, if you'll dive into God's word, you're going to walk away some truths that you can implement into your life. And it will change and it will transform your prayer life forever. You will walk out of the doors this weekend and you will not be the same person. God will move and he'll work and he'll transform your relationship with him through today's message. It's how important it is. That we dive in and we listen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just extract truth and nuggets out of this prayer. And we're going to walk away with four different qualities of an effective prayer. Four different things of an effective prayer. The first one, let's get started if you guys are taking notes. Effective prayers are humble prayers. Now I want you guys to say that with me. Effective prayers are humble prayers. So Elijah climbs to the top of Mount Carmel. He puts on his North Face gear. He's got his camel back, his little GPS, and he makes his up way up. He makes his way up to the top of the mountain to be alone with God. He needed to get God's attention. He didn't feel that just as you go through life, prayer was adequate in this situation. They needed some rain. And so he set time aside and he climbed to the very top. And if you guys will look, it will tell you what happens there in 1 Kings. It says at that point in time when Elijah got there, that Elijah bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Can you picture it? He makes it to the top, falls down to his knees, and he puts his face between his knees, and he just sits there before a holy God. He humbly, physically humbled himself. just a picture of what was going on spiritually inside of him. He was spiritually humbled at that moment. He realized that he couldn't bring the rain. He realized that he was small. That he was a nobody. That he was incapable. He knew he needed rain. But he knew that he couldn't do it. And this humbling of himself was him spiritually saying, God, I'm small and I'm tiny and I'm inadequate and I can't do this. But God, you are big and God, you are holy and you are the sustainer and you are the creator and you are the healer and that you are the provider. He humbled himself before God because he knew that he could not bring the rain, but he knew who could bring the rain. I've got a son named Tifton. Uh, we call him, his name's Tifton Jack. We call him the Jackhammer. He's an amazing kid. 
He's seven, year, seven years old, and when we lived in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, I believe he was four years old, he got a staph infection, which is an internal disease. And, man, this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. The way this staph infection began to show symptoms was it started to burn the outside of his body. And he had second and third degree burns from head to toe, open flesh wounds from the staph infection eating its way out. And Jody and I are looking at this dude. We're like, what is going on with our four-year-old? And we take him to doctors up there. And, yeah, you know, it's a country mountain town. I don't know. Put some triple antibiotic ointment on it. And put some bandages. He'll be fine. I couldn't diagnose it. Finally, we found a doctor that could diagnose it. And he came to me. After about three or four days of treatment, he said, Chris, man, I don't think Tiffin's going to make it. humbled myself before God because I knew that I was small and I was incapable and I couldn't heal him and there was nothing that I could do but my God who is the healer provider, sustainer creator he he through humbling myself before him would move and God moved and within a couple months he was healed and God did his thing and it was miraculous. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Will you look at that promise? Our God who is the creator, he, it is him He is the one that will lift us up. But what we have to understand is that humbling and humility precedes the miraculous in our lives. You want to get God's attention. You want him to move. You want him to listen to the prayer that you're bringing to him. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before him. Number two, if you guys are taking notes, is effective prayers are specific prayers. They're specific. I got to be honest with you, so many times in my life, I'm a wishy-washy prayer, non-specific praying kind of a dude. God be with us. God give me strength. God help me. God be with us. Specific. Elijah was specific. He was very, very specific. God, we need some rain. God, it's been three and a half years. Give us some water. Give us some H2O, liquid from heaven. Milly Vanilli, praying for the rain. Don't they do that one? I think they do, right? He was specific. He knew exactly what it was that he wanted. And then he says, go and look towards the sea. It's what he told the servant. He'd been praying, right? He's like, okay, so now I've prayed. Go look to the sea. And he went up and he looked and there was nothing there. But he was specific in what he wanted to ask God for. And we've got a family that attends our campus and they've just, probably within the past couple months, received some devastating news. And they have began to learn the power 
of a specific prayer. Uh, several weeks ago, um, we found out that our oldest daughter, who's eight, uh, was diagnosed with leukemia, which was, as you can imagine, a, a shock for us all. When I first found out the news, I just wanted to go back. I couldn't believe that it could be true. After the initial diagnosis, we stayed in the hospital for five days, and it was just a constant talking to God. I mean, just constantly, whether we were with people and people were praying with us or just ourselves, you know, talking, talking, talking to God and asking Him, please, you know, be with us, be with her, watch over her, hold her up. Yeah, initially, the, the results uh, were that pretty much 100% of, of cells in her bone marrow were leukemia cells, so there were no room for anything else to grow and, and for the blood to replenish itself. And so after the first week, we went back in for testing. Uh, the results came back, and it, it had only dropped about 13 or 14 percent to 86 percent, which we were hoping for a quicker recovery or a quicker uh, lower count, and we're kind of devastated by the news. After we had heard that the levels had not dropped like we wanted them to or like we had hoped that they would, um, friends of the family um, decided that we needed to have a specific prayer, have a specific reason uh, for prayer. When you see that many people involved in prayer for one specific thing, it's overwhelming. I mean, it strengthens your faith. You can, it's basically watching the body of Christ come together. You know, it's just overwhelming to see that. Uh, the re results um, from one week after treatment were 86%. Um, the fast started 24 hours prior to our second treatment, our second test. Uh, when the results came back, there were less than 5%. So it had dropped over 80%. And actually, she was technically in remission at that point. Well, the, the power of prayer is incredible. I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming. But the power of a specific prayer for a specific need is indescribable. The thing that I'm praying for now is comfort. Comfort for Kennedy, that she can make it through. It's a long process, two and a half years. And she is in remission, but it's not over. So we're just praying for comfort and that he just lifts her up and holds her in his arms. Can you imagine how devastating that would be as a mom and dad to, to receive that and 100%? It's amazing, though, because they gather this team around them and they fast and pray, okay, 100%. We're going to fast and pray. I mean, they gathered an army of people. Specific prayer, God healer of the leukemia next week in remission. The power of a specific prayer, how God moves and how God works through that. You do not have because you do not ask God. How simplistic is that? And we drive right by that verse, don't we? We forget about it because we get busy. You do not have because you do not ask God. We have to become 
a group of people that will humble ourselves before God and then come to Him without shame and boldness and courage, praying a specific prayer that God would move and work on our behalf. Number three, if you guys are taking notes, as effective prayers are persistent prayers. They're persistent So Elijah's humbled himself. He's prayed a specific prayer. Now he says, okay, go and look towards the sea, he told the servant. And he went up and he looked. And the servant came back and said, hey, there's nothing there. And then he said, seven times Elijah said, hey, I want you to go back. So here's the deal. He's up there. He's humbled himself. He's praying a specific prayer. He's praying. He's like, okay, servant, I've prayed. Now I want you to go look. He looks and he comes back. He's like, hey, man, there's no rain. He says, okay, hang on a second. And he prays again, God, we need the rain. Will you bring it back? And so he sends a servant out. And he comes back and he does it again and he does it again and he does it again and he does it again. He does it seven times, which you don't hear Elijah say is what my 10-year-old son said. Is, oh, this thing, prayer, doesn't really work. He doesn't say, oh, God's sleeping or he doesn't care. No, he is laser focused in on his specific prayer, and he prays, 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 and he prays. It's a specific prayer, but here's what you've got to understand. That's what I love about this deal, is Elijah doesn't allow the outward circumstances of what's going on to affect his inward assurance. He doesn't allow his outward circumstances. He doesn't allow it when it seems like God's maybe not moving and maybe it's a timing issue. When it seems like God's not answering. When it seems like God's not moving. He doesn't get frustrated. He doesn't throw in the towel. He doesn't say I'm done. He doesn't say this doesn't work. What does he do? He prays. And he prays. And he prays. And he prays. Doesn't seem like God's working. He prays. And he prays. And he prays 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 and he prays. He's persistent. He's persistent. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer, the persistent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So, so many times when we're down in the dumps and we feel like God is not moving and he's not working, we need to write that verse on our heart is when we're persistent in our prayer. That's when we see God move and we see him work. So here's my question for you. What have you quit praying for that you need to start praying for again? Maybe it's your marriage, you haven't seen much movement, so you've kind of quit praying. Maybe it's for a job, you've grown tired and weary. Maybe it's your finances, broken relationship. Maybe it's for someone in your family that doesn't have a relationship with Christ and it's been years and you've just kind of given up on it. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man prevails. So number one, you guys say it with me, okay? Say it boldly and with confidence. Effective prayers are humble 
prayers. Number two, effective prayers are specific prayers. Number three, effective prayers are persistent prayers. And then number four is effective prayers are expectant prayers. Man, I'm just going to tell you, this number four that we're about to talk about is just going to blow your stinking mind. Okay, so Elijah, Mount Carmel, humbled himself, specific prayers, persistent prayers. He's not quitting. It says, the seventh time the servant reported. Listen to this. So the servant comes back after no answer every single time. Seventh time he comes back. And he said, Elijah, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand that is starting to rise from the sea. Look at Elijah's response to that answer. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab right now, hitch up your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. Here's what the servant didn't say. Elijah, there is a massive monsoon thunderstorm that is brewing that is going to take this out. No, he said, Elijah, there's a little cloud about the size of a man's hand, maybe. And what does Elijah do? He says, oh man, it's coming. We have to release the emergency management plan. Get the ambulances and the fire engines, the monsoon team, and the life vest and the boats. And Ahab, you better get down the mountain because there's a little cloud as small as a man's hand. That just cracks me up. It's ridiculous. So if that would have been me, I would have been like, Okay, cool. There's a little cloud. Let's turn on Gary England, and, and let's just see if there's like 6535, if there's a hook echo in the plan, or what the deal is, right? And then uh, once Gary England confirmed that, I would have been like, okay, let me just sit here for a second, and as soon as I feel it, just touch my bald head. Then I'm going to know. Man, Elijah was expectant. He put all this stuff into play. Cost the city tons of money on the belief that God was going to move and do the miraculous. My wife's name is Jody, and uh, many of you guys have been on this journey with us. I'm going to kind of give you an update you know, when she was 16 years old, she was hit by a drunk driver and had her leg amputated from here down. And uh, a couple years ago, we made the decision uh, to have a surgery that was going to improve her quality of life. Very risky surgery. And, uh, man, it ended up going good. And so a couple weeks ago, we, we finished the process. And it's been a two-year process of getting these legs made. I know that sounds kind of weird, but... You know, they handed it to her, and it's amazing. And her quality of life today is better than it's ever been before. And so we're finished, and we were done. And then the prosthetician calls us back. He goes, hey, Chris, man, we've got an opportunity to really do something cool for Jody here. I want to make her two more legs. So I want to make her an Olympic leg, which is a sea leg. Y'all might have seen those, those runners. It's just like this metal bended pipe or something that they run on. It's really cool looking. 
And then he said, I want to make her a water leg so that she can water ski again. And I got just kind of a side note crazy story. When we first got married, she had one of these deals, and we went water skiing. And, man, she was ripping it up and all over the place, and bam, she crashes. And her leg comes loose, but it stays on the ski. And it's like going down the lake. And people are freaking out, and they're passing out, and they're looking for bodies, and they're calling search teams and all kinds of stuff. We love playing tricks on you like non-handicapped folks like that. We love it. Don't mess with her, man, I'm telling you. And so he said, do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And he tells me how much. And I'm just like, say that again. Speaking English here. Yeah, man, it was just way expensive. There's absolutely no way after all that we've been through. And so I just looked at him with confidence, and I said, sure, go ahead. Because I knew that God was going to do it. And so we started to pray, and we were praying, and we were praying specifically for that certain amount. And Jody's getting the legs made, and I'm sweating. I'm like, man, we're making this deal, and, you know, I have to sell off a kit or something to make this deal happen, which at times that's appropriate. And so... You know, we're trying to figure out, and so they come to us, and they go, hey, we're done with the leg. Here's your bill, and within a couple of days, a check comes in the mail for that exact amount. Absolutely. (laughs) Expectant. We moved in faith and prayed because we knew that God was going to move, and we knew that he was going to work. Mark says this, therefore, I tell you, whatever Whatever it is, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. In faith, put action in place. Believe, believe, believe that God is going to move and that God is going to work. So what happened to Elijah after he called out all the troops and he evacuated the town and everybody's gone? Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. Just picture it. The wind rose, and here it is. It's unbelievable to me. A heavy rain came on, came on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah. Let me tell you today, God answers prayers. God moves supernaturally on behalf of his people. Let's pray. God, move us and stir us and change us, Lord. As we continue to pray, Some of you guys that are here, and man, it's just been a long time since you've connected with God through prayer in a real intimate kind of a way. Maybe you've stopped praying for someone you should be praying for. Maybe you haven't humbled yourself, but you're here. And you say, Chris, I need God to re-energize and transform my prayer life. If that's you, and that's your prayer, I want to pray for you right now. Would you just raise your hand and say, Chris, I need prayer I need to be recharged. Okay, let me pray for you. God, transform us. Give us strength to pray. 
draw us into you, make us more intimate. Jesus, we need you. As we continue to pray, there's some of you guys that are here this weekend, and prayer is probably, you know, the second or third thing that you really need to be thinking about right now. The reality is you're here, and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you think you do. Maybe you think you've been following him. But the truth is you haven't asked him to be the Lord of your life. You know, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. He cares about you. He cares about your hurt. He cares about your pain. And when he came to this earth, he came here for you. And he came to take your sin. He came to take your lust, your addiction to pornography and alcohol, your failing marriage, your struggle, your pain, your broken relationships. He came to take that upon himself. And he went to the cross and he died for your sins and mine and our replacement. And three days later, he arose again. And here's what I want you to know is he stands before you today and his arms are open wide and he's saying, come to me. He wants to love you. He's pursuing you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free. He wants to give you meaning and he wants to give you purpose. And God's speaking your name right now. He's drawing. He's saying, come to me. Come to me. Don't run any longer. Stop. Ask him to be your savior and the Lord of your life. You say, yes, Chris, that's me. I need Jesus today. I can't live this way any longer. If that's you, the spirit of God's drawing you. Boldly, right now, lift up your hand. Say, yes, I need you, Jesus. I need you to be my Savior. I need you to be my Lord. Is there anybody in here at all right now? Man, don't be ashamed. You can't live this way any longer. You need Jesus. You need him to save you. You need him to come into your life. Is there anybody at all right up here in the front? I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Right back there in the back, I see that hand. Yep. Praise God for you. Are there others? God's not done here. Some of you have been running from him. Don't run. Stop. Pause. Raise up your hand and say, Jesus, I need you to save me today. Is there anyone here? Anyone at all that would say, God, I need you to save me. I want you to slip up your hand right up here. I see that hand. Praise God. Are there others? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. God, I need you. I need you to save me, change me, come into my life, be my Savior, and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.